and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 399A. Yay! The reign of the 399s is upon us. <laughs> Get used to a lot of 399s un- until uh, until Chad, uh, much Chad, who unfortunately still, much like any dire wraith that crossed Rom's path, uh, he has banished to limbo. But at some point, Chad will be back. Maybe he'll be... A- we're hoping Chad might actually be able to be back in a few weeks, at least to do 400, which would end the, which sadly would end the reign of the 399s. But <laughs> uh, you can keep them going afterwards. No one can stop you. It would kind of lose its luster, though. Maybe, uh, but yes. Uh, so maybe in a few weeks, Chad is Chad. The update on Chad: he's back home. We had a he had a like a like maybe. A week to two weeks ago, we ended up back in the ER. Uh, so now he's home. He's got a, like a, a wound pump, a wound vacuum to help keep everything cleaned out. And maybe three to five weeks from now, if everything goes well, he might be actually going in for the actual surgery to uh, fix his diverticulitis. Jeez. Uh, oh, so yeah, so he's he's doing okay. He's weak, but hopefully, you know, if the next couple of weeks go all right, then maybe at least he can, uh, we can at least do episode 400 and then probably chat will be out again for a while. But at least then we, then, then we can throw out random numbered, the properly numbered episodes without any, uh, without any guilt. <laughs> He's going to sit down with a huge binder and say, all right, here's all my notes from the episodes you did without me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the cliff notes on the happy, on the half a year without a Bokelman. <laughs> <laughs> it's a year without a Bokelman. So what are we doing tonight, Dan? Well, tonight, Mark, we are both <laughs> we are both lucky to be talking about the good lantern book, Far Sector. Number six. Far Sector, Far Sector number six by N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell. And this is this is the most accidentally relevant comic I've ever read. <laughs> yes, that, that that seems to be the consensus opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, should I just jump right into Absolutely. the synopsis here? Let's just jump into it, and then we and we'll we'll talk about it after after you give the wrap up. All right. So, far sector number six. <clears throat> it's been about ten days since the police fired on peaceful proset- protesters, and Joe had to break it up. Uh, it's weighing heavily on her, as so far the only consequences for the act of violence has been the suffering on, of the victims and their families. Nobody responsible has been fired or quit, and Joe's convinced none will. 
Well, all she can do is attend the funerals for the families that'll let her through the door. Uh, Joe's ability to function in this city is being pushed to its limit. She is the one and only person with emotions in a city of 20 billion people who have all had theirs chemically suppressed, and it's made her feel incredibly isolated. One of the people she's closest to, uh, Sins of the Cliffs by the Streaking Ice, and yes, that's her <laughs> whole name. Oh, these names, though. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> uh, she basically calls Joe up and offers to sleep with her with all of the affect that you'd use to tell someone you forgot to pick up a loaf of bread at the grocery store. And it just really hits home to her that of all the weird things about the city enduring, this is what keeps everyone feeling so alien to her, no matter how long she spends there. Uh, Counselor Marth, or if you prefer Marth of the Sea by the walking, by the wavering dark as the sun falls, yes, that's his whole name, comes to see Joe at home. Uh, Counselor Marth is currently under the influence of Switch Off, the drug that neutralizes the emotional exploit that gets rid of your emotion, and he explains to her that he plans to resign his post because he was responsible for ordering the police to fire on the protesters. Joe, of course, doesn't believe it, and thinks that he'll just go back on it once the drug wears off and he's emotionless again, but Marth's already gone public with the announcement of his resignation. He explains to Joe that he takes Switch off and gives himself his emotions back as a way of checking himself to make sure he's making the right decisions. But nobody can know he's using Switch off since it's the cornerstone of their entire civilization, which is why he keeps reaching out to Joe, trying to form a romantic relationship with her, because she's the only other being in this city of, again, 20 billion people with any feelings at all. Both of them feel completely alone at the center of a massive pop uh, population surrounded by unknowable people with only their bad memories of their tragic past to keep them company. Uh, they end up sleeping together since this is the first chance either of them has had in what must feel like forever to have this kind of experience with actual feelings involved. And the next morning, Joe gets a call from another member of the city council, Averup, or if you prefer, Averup Thorn of the Dry Season Thorns. Yes, that's his old name. He's discovered something and is in danger. Joe rushes off to save him, but not before picking up her her uh, assistant, Can Has, or if you prefer, at I Can Has Earth Sub Zero One. That's her whole name. I, I, I prefer that one a little better. It's a little shorter. Yes. <laughs> and if you tongue. It does. And if you recall, she is a digital being that gets paid in Earth memes. <laughs> um, Loves old cat memes. Yep. Uh, she's got the little ears. I, um, what they find when they arrive are fully operational mechs belonging to the alien race responsible for the op for the occupation and war that led to the destruction of this world and the creation of the city enduring in the first place. Uh, Avrup seems to be tied up or something inside one of them, and Joe is pissed and ready to kick some ass. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, because something they do in this book every now and then is they'll, you know, sometimes they'll do the typical recap page just to catch you up. And a lot of times they'll do something I like where, like, at the bottom of the page is the tip of her ring 
and like the recap is in like a te- like a green text box, so it's like oh, it's the Rings AI right. giving you like a recap kind of thing. But every now and then they'll do a page which is just the characters of this comic reenacting this a scene of the, of a movie, and like the last time they did it, it was Joe in the Will Smith role in Independence Day reenacting the scene where he is in the desert opening up the spaceship and punching the alien in the face saying welcome to earth except it's welcome to far sector (laughs) they did it again this time and i wanted to ask you because i don't know what this is a reference to it absolutely is one but i just don't recognize it i can't place obviously we know it has a it has a like a dream girls kind of vibe to it you know it has a 1960s kind of Diana Ross and the Supremes kind of vibe to the, the way she's dressed and everything else, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not getting, I'm not getting what movie in particular. I do love, like, like they they put a filter over it, over the artwork that makes it look like a grainy movie, because if you compare it to, like, even the next page, it's so much clearer for the rest of the book. But this has like, like almost like a not quite a staticky, but it just looks like there's something on the page, you know? Yes, there's te- there's texture. There's a lot of texture to it. Uh, I like the way her eyes are so green. Um, I like the fact that he like Marth is in this scene with her, and he doesn't. It's like he doesn't quite get what's going right. on. She's she's giving the recap, and he's like, "I know this. I'm I'm right here. <laughs> I lived through this. What are you doing?" <laughs> Yeah, I, I did. I, I did like. I did like the way it began. I thought, and I thought, just generally speaking, it is a. It was a good, good wrap up of everything that's come before. Uh, I think so. Obviously, that would make this. If you had not been reading this book religiously, obviously this would not be the worst jumping on point. Considering at least they give you a, between that and what rolls over on the next page, they kind of do give you a good breakdown of. Of what's going on in, in this book to this. To this point, um, I, f- I feel like this book in general is probably on the easier side of of uh, getting into partway through just because like so much of it is is character development and like introspective stuff like th- this book, like so much of it is just characters sitting down talking to each other or Joe in her own head trying to make sense of things that like you could probably pick up a random issue. Like you could start with issue three or something and be pretty much caught up. Yeah. To me, to me, the, the tough, the only tough thing about this book <laughs> is dealing with the names. Um, and it's not even necessarily keeping the characters separated. It's just that, yes, when they go through the, you know, the 10 word names, everybody seems to have for the most part, except for the, the AI, <laughs> Listen, it's it's Marth of the Sea by the Wavering Dark as the Sun Falls. What's so hard about that? <laughs> they actually, I, this issue, they do directly talk about that too. Like when Joe's on the on the phone there, and they're and she's like, "Wait, God, okay, I, I'm confusing your ship name with your homeworld name with your service name, and and like your." Uh, you're by the step and he's by the cliff, so that means you're not related. And like it's it's confusing, to, even to the people in this book. Yes, I, d- I did I did like that reference. 
And it's until the soul, until the sun falls, Dan. Get that right. Oh my god. That's a whole different clan. I, my, the letters I mail would never make it to the right people. See, one of the things I noticed about this book, what, and this does maybe it's where I am in my life, but I don't remember her arms looking this defined in previous issues, but maybe we just never got a chance to see that. Like maybe Who, Joe's? Yeah. Maybe they were. I just I just never noticed that. It just seemed like in this issue in particular there was a a lot of a lot of effort was paid to accentuating how how defined her arms were. Oh yeah, like when she answers the door. Yes, it both, yeah. yeah, pretty much that, that entire that entire page and let's see, there's 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 more, but that but but absolutely, yeah, absolutely, that's in particular. Yeah, I like you can all see it, like when she's sitting down and like we get like a profile shot from the side. There's a lot of definition. Yes, I think this might be the first time we've gotten a shot like a close up shot of her back when she's wearing like a tank top because like that's probably because there's lots of back muscle going on there too. That is and, true. I, I I meant to actually open up the last the last issue, the digital one, just to see <laughs> get an idea if we had seen. Because it, it could very well be we just haven't seen a lot of her without sleeves, and that would probably would explain why we didn't. But like even when like the, even like when they're dan- like when they're kind of like holding hands and and pseudo dancing before they're about to get to it, that you can see you know, the definition in her arms. So yeah, something I like like this show uh, this show this book is pretty good about like giving characters varying outfits. Like Joe doesn't have one set of casual wear when she's hanging around the house like like she'll be wearing different clothes her hair will be she's had like 10 different hairstyles it's <laughs> that is true it's it's more believable it's like it it avoids the like the old tv problem of like well this is uh this is this character's uniform they are always wearing this t-shirt and this hat and maybe if it's uh Maybe when they're at home, they can be wearing short pants instead of long pants or something. Like, it makes it feel a little more natural. I yes, think. it seems more organic because it's not. It's not like it's a situation where you have like on Gilligan's Island where you had a natural built-in reason why they, other than the howls, why you only had a certain. You may only have one outfit. <laughs> well, why is it always so clean? <laughs> Yeah, the professor can come up with everything other than fi- making or fixing a boat. Um, <laughs> boats are hard. Boats, boats apparently are hard. Uh, so, but just generally speaking, I really like the art. I like the art. Oh in God, this, yeah. And this, in this issue, uh, on page thirteen, when they're talking about what it's like to you to uh, have your emotions suppressed and turn to drugs to get rid of it i didn't notice until just now the top right panel of uh counselor marth he's talk like he's talking about like like how this has kind of created two different people that he has to live as and like that panel is like it i thought my eyes first thought was just like oh it's just like it's just a shadowing thing but like he has two different faces that are mushed together that aren't quite lined up right because that's how he feels about himself. Yes, there's actually a lot of that. A lot, I mean, a lot of panels reflect that um, on his face in this issue. But you, you are correct. 
which obviously is noticeably different, not just from the beginning splash, the beginning, you know, uh, movie reference page, and then later on, even when they when they wake up post coital, that her his face is pretty much back to one color. Yeah. But I'm gl- I'm glad to, but personally, based on the many, she hasn't really had ba- any bad hairstyles, and in, in, I think generally speaking in this book. But uh, I'm I'm glad she's back to being Lantern Monet and wearing that her hair back in that, and that and that outfit. By the time we get to the end, I I kind of also like the fact that when she you know when she is pissed, she kind of makes the reference about like. That now she's gonna like find out what this ring can really do, which just kind of reiterates the fact that she really does, still doesn't have any much of an idea what she's really doing with that thing or what. Oh yeah, I'm still waiting for another flashback to finish that origin story because if uh, for all we know, that guardian takes her right here from that street corner. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. I mean, they are obviously they are pacing out her origin relatively slowly so far so far it works they gave us they gave us i i wouldn't mind knowing more at this point but at least they gave it to us what they what they have given us they gave it at the right time because i was starting to get a little concerned in the book it's like okay i need to know a little bit more about her about her ring all that stuff but i think but i do like the fact they still even had you know the, the reference of you know of, of that of the of the of her partner you know doing the police brutality thing that that yeah. flashback uh Another well, I mean, another well timed or poorly timed, unfortunately, based on the world uh, reference. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I I pretty much trust them to to deploy the rest of her backstory at the moment where it'll hit the hardest. It's like I th- we'll we'll definitely get it. Oh, absolutely. We're, 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 I mean, I. And I think we'll be we'll be getting we'll be getting more and more, especially because we're going to have to we we do have to figure out more about about her ring, also because of that whole the 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 charge aspect of it, how she doesn't need a battery, but the ring but the ring takes a long time to to charge fully. And also, what's that business about? Like, like, what was it? Like, you have one year, go make a difference. Yes. Like, why why does she have a year? What's that all about? Right. So we we do need we do need more answers. Uh, I like her energy construct at the end is pretty cool. Uh, whatever, it's all over the place, but it's I I do like. The oh, fact. no, gone. No, it's okay. The you're talking about the very last panel when she's like like ready to get go nuts. Yes. That well, let's talk of let's talk about anime for a minute, Mark, because this is her putting together their. Ava Unit One from Neon Genesis Evangelion. This is the the thing that is around wrapped around her on the cover of I think next issue, where she's standing there, arms folded. Uh, that is one of I have a list I wrote down of anime references in this issue, and I'm very happy. Nice. <laughs> so we've got that. We've got uh, let's see on page fourteen. There we go. Bottom of page fourteen, we got like you got your John Stewart Funko Pop on the far left over there. Yes, I was going to mention that on the far and and this is what I love. This she's so, they're leaning into her being a big nerd, and I love it because she's they're like, hey Joe, you're going to go to this alien city for a year. She's like, well, I better 
pack my favorite anime statues. <laughs> <laughs> so she got the John Stewart pop. She has that's a, a Sailor Jupiter on the far right from Sailor Moon. Yes. Uh, then next to her is what looks like uh, Kai Kiski from Guilty Gear. That's a an anime fighting game, but he's got the uh, the weapon of another character in the game, so it might just be a uh, legally distinct version of that character. And I'm unfortunately could not figure out what the robot with the purple legs is. That one's a little a little out of my wheelhouse. Uh, but on page, let's see. Oh yeah, page eighteen. When she is transforming into her costume, the way she does it is she makes a tiny Tinkerbell-sized Sailor Moon construct that is animating the Sailor Moon transformation sequence while moving, swinging around a life-sized like Sailor Moon wand that is putting Joe's costume on her. That is pretty cool. That's this is awesome. Also, we we've confirmed now with two data points that Joe is in fact a fan of Sailor Moon. <laughs> she also loves fan fiction because on page six, when she's I think right before um, Marth shows up. Yeah, it's when she's on the phone with her her cop buddy. She is reading a website that is... What is it? What was it? Tales of Our Own. Tales of Our Own, which is a massive archive of fan fiction that, at least as of last month, contains 16 million works of fan fiction for, from over 36,000 distinct fandoms. And this isn't the first reference they, that they have put in before, because on the cover of issue two, if you like really zoom in, she is reading like some Black Lightning fan fiction on the cover. That's pretty cool. Yes. You, you you see those those are like those are like nice touches because the real because the reality is it's cool that you know like like you people like you like you can pick up on stuff like that even if some of the I mean some of these things I I sort of recognize I'm not I'm not big into anime so a lot of these things I didn't so that was a really good catch but if you don't catch them you know it doesn't ruin the story unlike the Grant Morrison stuff where it's like, <laughs> where it's like here here's stuff from, from from 60 years ago that we did in what in one issue that nobody ever remembers and it's like oh if you don't if you don't understand this reference you're lost <laughs> yeah like i get a kick out of it every time i see joe suit up and put on Kamina's glasses from Gurren Lagan whereas you you look at it and you're just like oh cool some big green glasses it's a good Neat. look for her yes <laughs> Um, I love. I just love the final line in this issue, where she's like, "Oh, you done fucked up now. That's my friend you've taken hostage." But even worse, you just start a nerd fight. Ah. <laughs> uh, also, they can, can they say fuck in a young animal book? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, because this is not this is not the first time that she's used it. I don't think I even noticed before. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember what issue it was, but I kind of made a note of it because even though yes, it is a young animal imprint that it, it just kind of bo- it bothered me just because it just seemed. But I understand why they, excuse me, why they can get away with it here. But yeah, it's not it's not the it's not the first one that they've used in this in this series. But at least 
At least they're not going out of their way to make it, you know, gratuitous and like every other friggin' word. It's it's not like uncut gems. <laughs> is it is it like the PG thirteen thing where every every now and then you get one? Maybe maybe it is something like that. Yes, PG yeah PG thirteen. I think I think you you're allowed to use one. Um, so use it wisely. Uh, yeah. And I mean, you can't deploy it too often because then you would take the wind out of other things. Like when Ken has makes a fun joke about how weird it must actually be to have sex with an alien. Right. She's like, well, you know, you would think that conversion to evolution would, uh, would, uh, make things a little less weird, but, huh? Yeah. (laughs) And and, and he port in the storm. (laughs) Jesus. Oh man, I kind of I thought it was pretty interesting how this this book like takes a unique perspective on drug addiction because the drug is the like having emotions is Marth Chairman Marth's natural state, which means he's literally only himself when he uses this drug. So it's like it's it's like unvilifying drug use harder than anything I've ever seen. <laughs> that That is true. Maybe, maybe we'll find out the Guardians are behind this all because they hate the, because they, they want to suppress emotion so much. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was our test city. My God. Uh, but, yeah, so, what are we, halfway through the series now? Barring yep, any, this was barring any change. Six. Yeah, so hopefully... Hopefully it'll keep going well because certainly it's a. I would say it's the more it's the more enjoyable of the two, Green Lantern books we have right now. Uh, I know that to some that might not be a huge, <laughs> a huge compliment or 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 it's like that's a really low bar to clear. But but considering that I was not necessarily sold on this book conceptually when it was when we knew it was coming, I'd say that is pretty. I'd say that is pretty good. I, I I I do enjoy her. I like her. I would like to see more of her. Uh, so it will be. I'm just. I will be curious to see how all the pieces fall into place once we find out what the deal is with her origin and her ring and where we where we leave off at the end of this. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just I'm just so thoroughly having fun in this world. Like it took, it took a couple issues for me to like really get in the groove with everything. Like, especially with the names and all that. But like now, like just having these characters bounce off of each other is just so much fun. Like, it's like would Marth trying to figure out how to do earth courtship behavior correctly. He brings, he brings her a flower, and he's like, he clearly has never heard of anyone giving anyone else a plant for any reason before. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I don't know why you w- would want this. I mean, it's it's actually it's dying, but that's probably fine because it's carnivorous and eats mammals. So you know, uh, here, <laughs> what your your customs are weird. <laughs> why are you so weird? Yeah, that was that was that was that was a nice touch. It's like, well, I just kind of grabbed this, and I was, I I heard you, I heard you Earth people like this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I almost feel like like last time, last time we talked about that 
terrible Dark Stars story in Hal Jordan and the Core. And I feel like this is like the polar opposite of it. Because it's like, the whole thing is like, this whole issue is like two people who are directly responsible for, or for like, for causing and trying to stop this horrible thing. And it's treated with all of like the complexity and anguish that it should be. And it's really interesting and it's a really just fascinating character piece. I would agree. I think this, I think this issue flows really well. Um, story is pretty straightforward, which is certainly a plus when you deal with <laughs> Morrison stories. Every, every other issue, it seems like it's not one of those. Or he teases you into getting a couple where they are nice and easy. Then you get the one that just makes you want to put your, both your eyes out. So, yeah, I, 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 I was pretty happy with this issue. Also considering that it's been a while since we had gotten a far sector. That, yeah. But the a whole distribution problems and everything else, which we'll be rolling into shortly. That yes. yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really happy with this book so far. Yeah, and I think I think it is still it's coming out every two months now. I don't remember. I forgot. I was gonna try looking it up again, but I forgot. But I don't know. I'm at I'm at a point with this book where like I'm kind of fine with them dragging it out because there's only going to be twelve of these. And half of them are out already. But at the same time, I kind of... Like, the way that they approach all the subject matter of issue six makes me really happy that this is a side book that's going to have a definitive ending. Because it's... It doesn't have the burden of of having to exist in perpetuity like like the normal Green Lantern book is, like the Hal Jordan character does, where this story could... Uh, like, for all we know, Far Sector ends and we never see any of these characters or places ever again. Who knows? Right? Maybe we'll never see Joe again. Who knows? And it gives them a freedom where, like, I look at this story and I think to myself, this doesn't actually have to wrap up cleanly. This could end however it makes sense to end it for what message this book is trying to give. And it does, like, usually a superhero book comes with, like, almost this prerequisite of, well, not 80, 90% of the time, we're going to tie up everything in a neat little bow and, uh, good's going to triumph over evil at the end. This one, I kind of have, like, after this issue, I kind of have faith that they're going to do something a little more appropriate than that. I think that's, I think that's a reasonable expectation that they will get some resolution, maybe not a full resolution, plus, we also don't know what they're, they, they may very well be plans or hopes, you know, to follow up on this in some way, <laughs> shape, or form anyway, so they may want to leave some of these pieces some of these pieces out there, some of these things dangling in the wind to be revisited at another time. I mean, hell, maybe this ends with Joe's year running out and her deciding to just keep living in the city enduring, being an activist in her own way, you know? Like, it could go any possible way. Like, like I honestly, like, I, even if they do pull a rabbit out of the hat and be like, well, we have, uh, we have legalized switch off and we're, uh, we're, we're weaning everybody off of the emotional exploit. 
but it's still a process that's going to take generations to to really really change. So I'm gonna stay here and keep helping, not as a Green Lantern, just as me. Like I could see it going that way, and that way, like if somebody really really wants to use Joe again, she is. We know exactly where she is. Otherwise, she can just sort of like fade into Green Lantern history after her big story. Carrie Wren with a 12-issue arc. <laughs> yeah. Check okay. off the Carrie Wren reference for the evening. <laughs> hey, man, at this point, Carrie Wren might be leader of the Gold Lantern Corps. We don't know. <laughs> Good. Oh, Carrie Wren. <laughs> so, anything else we want to touch on this issue? Or do we, we think we covered it? Uh, I'm flipping through now. I think that's... I think that's it. Because I'm trying to think also, as I flip through, if there was something else that I wanted to... No, I think we I think we covered all the major all the major beats of this. Uh... You know, it's weird. The one I, at first it was a complaint, but it was only a complaint because I was preparing to do a plot summary is that they don't say the names of all the character all of the recurring characters that show up in this issue and like I had to go back and look through all of the other issues to write down like okay wait okay what's this what's this AI person's name okay and then what's her like entire name okay another issue tells me that one but like it's better that they do it this way because like like, it's the most unnatural thing in the world to every time. Like, if I saw you every day, I would say your name, like, once every six months. Because who needs to? I know right. who, I know who you are. But, and, like, that's, like, the, it, that, like, exposition-y dialogue that we get used to from these books. Where, like, ev- uh, you know, every issue, you gotta catch everybody up. But, like... This has a much more naturalistic feel to the flow of the writing, where they they say the names context when it contextually makes sense. I think that's a good catch and a good point. I I agree with that. It's 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 not it's not as forced like when you're trying to do dialogue. It is something you always try to keep in mind that re- realistically speaking, if you're talking if you're talking one on one with someone that you, you're not you really are not going to say their name very often. You might say it sometimes, especially if you're trying to make a point, like, hey, you know, if you try something serious, it's like, like, John, come on, listen to me here. But the reality is, no, you're, you're, when you're having a normal conversation with somebody one-on-one, you're probably very rarely going to actually reference their name unless like, you're looking for them or calling to them or something. So, so that does capture that flavor. Yeah, and I would, again, I would never even have noticed it. In fact, I read the issue the first time, and didn't notice that at all until I decided, you know what? It would be funny if I wrote down the full names of everybody for this review. And they weren't there, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> look at that. Yes, I did notice that, especially notice it with the AI and things like that too, and I was like, oh. I, <laughs> hers, I was certain her name was like at Cheeseburger or something, but it was, I was, I was in the ballpark. Yes, you were. <laughs> so yeah, that's Far Sector number six. It continues to be my favorite comic book. 
First, I thought you were going to say it continues to be your favorite Green Lantern book, which again. <laughs> well, I mean, yes. <laughs> by, by, by default. Uh, <clears throat> so, now we want to talk a little bit about DC Comics and Diamond. Yes. Oh, boy, there's a, there's a diamond in the rough. Rough, roughness rough, in this time. Lots, lots of roughness. Diamond rough. There's a there's a joke in there somewhere. We didn't find it, but someone will. Apparently, uh, a lot of the uh, comic stores are not. Well, probably wouldn't find the joke either because they're not overly thrilled. But you know, yeah. I feel, I feel like the uh, some com some comic store. I feel like we're finding out which comic book retail, like which comic store owners should and should not have social media accounts with this news because some of uh, there's at least one and I don't remember who it was or what their store was but they're like hey in the wake of this news we're doing a massive sale on all our DC back issues order co- like coupon code screw DC <laughs> I'm like wow all right got it you're still a teenager good job <laughs> Yeah, I, I I would say some of the re, some of the neg I can understand some of the negative reaction, but yes, I think some of it's a little melodramatic and it's a little it's a little overkill uh, potentially. But I think I think the the main reason people a lot of people are unhappy was the timing because now Diamond is finally finally back to actually shipping comics again, <laughs> and it's like oh guess what DC says hey up yours we're not going to use you anymore to be our yes. Yes, we should say that what happened. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. We uh, we were, we're we've been circling around it like a like a like a like the planes in Die Hard too, is trying to get <laughs> clearance to land. It's like we can't keep circling forever. Uh, yeah, so DC and Diamond, you know, Diamond Comics being the main distributors for comics, uh, for for everyone, for Marvel and DC, the main ones that so now DC pretty much uh, just decided. Not really. We know it wasn't out of the blue. They obviously had been planning this, but for the for, for the world at large, it was kind of like out of the blue that they decided to end their 25 year relationships. And now they're going to be what using Penguin Random House as their DC books and Lunar or UCS comic book distributors for books and periodicals. And so that was that kind of was a uh, was that a, was that a Friday announcement? I, th- uh, I think it says four days ago on the article I'm reading. Yeah, I think it was on the fifth. Yes, that was, that's Friday, which makes sense because a lot, a, a lot of crap is dropped on the fifth because of the fact that it tends to, it tends not to get as much focus in, in nationally, big picture wise. A lot of if you want, if you want to float a new story that's not going to get talked about much because you're rolling into the weekend under normal circumstances, and even last week since it wasn't since. We're not living in normal circumstances, and Lord knows there was there were other more pressing things to, to worry about last week. That DC just kind of like put that out there, and and you know, an hour circle here with you know Newsarama and different places like that. They're gonna they're gonna pick up on it real quick and talk about it. But historically, yes, if you want to dump if you want to dump a story, usually you dump it on, you want to dump it on a Friday. But that really so that has upset a lot of yes a lot of comic book retailers because they were just getting up and running again getting getting their dc books back after you know diamond has you know kind of in the early stages of covid recovery and now basically they're changing the game for the retailers where they have to order their books and whether it's true or not like you like you kind of referred to a lot of people are 
doing a lot of posturing, saying it like, oh, I was like. I'm gonna carry like the bare minimum amount of DC books, or I'll make my you know I'll make my regulars happy, but you know I'm gonna be moving away from deep. We'll see if you want to if you really want to. It all depends. I mean, if you really had a store that you for, you had an odd store where you're doing like 10% of your business or 15% of your business for DC, then I guess you probably could make that decision and survive. Maybe under normal circumstances, depending how you survived you know the lockdown. But I mean, really, what comic book store? It like like. The the bread and butter of comic book stores are Marvel and DC, and then whatever you can manage to move of anything else. Like, I agree. who can like? I would absolutely love it if comic book stores could survive on in on indie book sales and the and like a handful of superhero books, but that's just not the reality. And I feel like like yeah, you're angry, so you don't want to carry their product, but eliminating one of the big two from your shelves is basically you saying, I am planning to close my store in, <laughs> in the next year. Oh, I agree. I, I I was doing what I do best, playing devil's advocate and coming up with a weird scenario where this might make sense to someone if they were upset. Not saying it's even then it would be rational, but saying, oh, you know, they, they're... Where I, where I have my shop, nobody buys DC, so up yours! But the reality is yes. No, it's going to be a lot of posturing, and most people, to be fair, even the people that are saying things that maybe they shouldn't be saying, are just, are just making it clear they're unhappy because this complicates things, it makes more work for them, they got to mess around with orders that were already placed, place new orders, things like that. And with all the stress and all the crap people have been dealing with, with having their shops closed and maybe... Do, and maybe doing curbside pickup and things like that, and just finally getting to the, getting closer in different places around the country, where you're going to actually be able to just have your store open again and have people come in and, and pick up their stuff like they normally could. It's it is I can, I can see the perspective that it is the timing is not great, and it does add more stuff on the plate of of these shops that are trying to stay afloat during a very difficult time. But at the end of the day. You know, you, they are gonna. They're gonna have. It's one of those things where you're gonna have to do it because of the fact that, like you said, you can't. You, you're not gonna cut cut off all your DC sales. Uh, I would also think, like, I don't know. I've never worked in a comic book store. I don't know any of the finances of the ordering, but I would have to assume that this is also going to have an, a negative impact on on the uh, the amount of money that the retail the store owners have to spend to get the books just because like like I know that Diamond has like like certain like cutoffs of like like pricing tiers and shit. So like if all of a sudden like a third of the books you normally order through Diamond you're not getting f- through them then like, are you in a different price tier now? Like, are you go- are you not going to get the discounts you normally do unless you start ordering an absurd amount of the other stuff? And what kind of what kind of pricing plan are these other distributors going to be charging you? So like, if you're if you're just looking at the money of like, how do I keep my store stocked with new material every week? That could end up being like a larger overall price tag as well, depending on a lot of things. I can see that. I, c- I could definitely see that. That's a that's yet another concern. Um, so we the reality is we don't know what the ramifications are going to be. We don't know what the fallout is going to be. 
but there's going, but clearly there's going to be there's upheaval, and upheaval is never makes anyone happy. Uh, dramatic change never makes anyone happy. So the reality, well, can make some people happy, but it, but gen. But generally speaking, a large percentage of people won't be happy with this dramatic change. It, it makes it makes me kind of happy. I, they, yeah. This is like Diamond. Like whether whether you love him or hate him, Diamond should not have a monopoly on this. Like there should be, there should have always been at, at least two really good options for these shops to order their books from. Like if anything, it kind of sucks that. <clears throat> It's all DC over here and no DC at Diamond because if you have if a shop had the option of choosing Diamond versus Penguin or something, then they could have like they would have to get competitive with like the offers to get these shops in. So like the more the more distributors, the better, unless everything goes exclusive to specific distributors, at which point point it probably makes less sense for the retailer but i'm just that because comic book distribution hasn't changed in 25 years it needed something needed to happen and especially like like with all this covid stuff like showing us just how like how many problems there are in all levels of the infrastructure that we rely on like like Obviously, comp- getting your comic books to your store isn't the end of the world. I mean, if you live off of that business, then it is. But uh, I don't know. It's There's cracks in the armor that are bigger and larger problems than we thought there were. And I want to see. I, want, I hope this is the first of several large changes we see over the next couple of years. And I'm, I know a lot of people are going to think it sucks, but... Change is scary, but change is necessary. I I agree, and I think it probably in the in the big picture it could be for the best. Like you said, the danger is if you end up basically having each each imprint has its own like designated publisher. Then yes, the retailer excuse me the re, the retailer could definitely could definitely get screwed then. Uh, but generally, ideally, yes, it would be nice that you had the option of being able to order the same product from. Group A as opposed or Group B, because then whichever one had better incentives for you is the one you'd go with. And then if too many people were growing with B, then A would realize it'd have to be more competitive, and that's good. That's when the consumer wins. You know when you know when you have you know choice helps the consumer. Monopolies don't. So so we're gonna yeah it'll be in, it'll be interesting to see how this works. It'll be also interesting to see. You would assume. Since DC's probably been planning this for a while, that there's not going to be a like a major interruption, at you know, in the during the phasing out process, you would like to think that, but but you but you don't know. So, because DC DC's kind of been up in the air to begin with, which isn't all their fault. I mean, part of it was being a slave to Diamond, part of it was because of just there the the need to put out as many physical books. Clearly, hasn't made sense lately because you have so. Between a lot of stores being closed and someone and the curbside pickup and and people being you know probably not as afraid now as they you know as we were made to be afraid let me like two months ago, but the reality is that there were re- I mean there were logical reasons why you know the, the books 
you had to cut back or the books, there wasn't as much of a demand. But now that things are opening up, we know DC's schedule and a lot of their uh, release schedules and a lot of their books have either been canceled or, or, or delayed. And certain things that were coming out have been indefinitely pushed back. So it's obviously had a huge impact on the publishing industry to begin with. Among other industries, obviously, we can talk. We could have a whole episode about how it screwed up the movie industry. Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, you're looking at th- you're looking at probably best case scenario. You're going to have like maybe like a third of a, a. Well, I guess you could still technically have half half a year of movie going because you had you almost had the you had the first quarter almost complete. <laughs> hey, do you think do you think Scoob is going to win an Oscar because it's one of the only movies that came out this year? <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember what else came out. Trolls who or trolls? That troll trolls, movie. Trolls world world tour. It was the world tour. Um, no, I don't think I don't think Scoob will. They'll they'll still be. Remember, just to get nominated, you just have to release. You just have to release it in a few in a, in a few theaters, so they could technically still release the art. They could release the artsy movie still in like in December and just like literally like like to cut like two theaters with only like four critics in them each spaced out. And it's like, oh, okay. But yes, tons of industries and lives have been have been affected by everything the shut down with COVID nineteen. So comic books are one of them. It'll, so it'll be interesting to see if it ha- how much of an effect this has on the beginning of the recovery for that particular industry. But we won't know that for a while. But since it was news that just dropped, we clearly we clearly wanted to talk about that. <sighs> yeah, I wonder if this is going to affect. Like, I don't know if it would. Like, I don't like. Is this going to have any effect on like their digital releases for things too? Because I'm still like, I I get all my stuff digitally, and I'm still not clear on how the uh, the the lack of shipments over the last few months has affected that stuff because it's like sometimes things come out and sometimes they don't, and I don't know if the physical ones came out too and it just it seems strange and i don't know if this would like change their deals with like comiXology and stuff or like what that all looks like yeah it's really things are just so convoluted right now it's it is quite difficult to know feel confident that anyone really knows how things are, are going to work out. And then again, when this when this announcement came out, once again the idea of well whether this is like the, the the beginning of the end, like at least for DC of actually publishing physical books as opposed to going all digital. Whether this is just like another <laughs> opening salvo and that and that cannonade of of what's about about to come, based on what supposedly Warner Brothers thinks of of. Of DC, of the physical comics aspect of DC, that while they make money on it, it's not they don't make that they don't make enough based on how much they have to spend on it. So I don't know. Well, it's. I mean, I think I think there's like there's a there's a I feel like there's always well I say always I'm I'm qualifying that for you know for at least another fifty years or so <laughs> there's always going to be enough people that want print comics, that print comics will exist in some form. Maybe whether that's just trades or just OGNs or whatever. But I think like I I must have ranted about this on here at some point before. I just cannot believe that 
like over the last 10 years, they have not made more progress on the digital front than they have. And I think part of it is an over-reliance on the sure thing that is the brick-and-mortar retail sales, which, hey, wouldn't you know it? We got several months in a row of proof that that's not really a sure thing under the right conditions, is it? And it's, it's, it, it's, God, it's, it's a, it's a subject that sucks to talk about because I don't want anybody to lose their jobs or go out of business. But at the same time, I feel like we're at a point where it no longer makes sense to have the comic publishing industry and the comic retail industry chained together so tightly because like comic book stores have been dying for as long as I've been alive. And I absolutely believe they're going to be gone in my lifetime. Like it's, it's not a question of if they're going away, it's just a question of when, and when that happens, do we want to see comic books die with them? I don't. That means that they have to, to like now while they have the opportunity, they have to kind of uncouple themselves and instead of relying so heavily on physical stores, make physical stores just one arm of their sales. Like take take a page from from how Japan does it. There are just dedicated stores that sell nothing but manga or you can go into a regular bookstore that also has manga or you can go to any convenience store that has manga in it too with the magazines or you can go to a newsstand like you can you can get comics pretty much anywhere or if you want you can get them digitally too and the the price is a cor- is is competitive and it is it just works that's just normal for over there and i would love to see us do something like that here except it's there's so much pushback because the fans are entrenched in the way it's always been. The the comic retailers obviously need it to stay the way it's always been. <clears throat> and the the publishers just don't seem to have much incentive to rock the boat too much. Which is why I'm really, really interested to see what the fallout of all this ends up being in the long term. I'm interested too. I think it's it will be interesting to see if this kind of speeds things up as far as like you said either kind of the way we the way we get our comics, the way we the way we view comics as as in not just in relation to the, the brick and mortar stores too, but just in general is this going to speed up speed up what seems to be you know the inevitable move to digital but i agree that i i it's still like like i think you mentioned that it's it's still hard to imagine that we're ever going to get to the point where there's not going to be some physical books because it's just so ingrained uh there's there's still record stores you can go out and buy a vinyl record right now if you wanted to like there's always going to be there's always going to be that you know like you're always going to be able to go out and Buy a vault, buy a physical copy of like Batman: The Long Halloween or something. Like, does it mean that everything will get pre- reprinted or printed physically? I don't know, but I I have a, a very hard time believing that 
some kind of print run for a good chunk of comics will completely stop. No, but there's also the idea that they're pushing that they want to move towards more towards graphic novels, mm-hmm. which which could mean that they end up they could do something that a, a regular monthly book, they, some monthly books they could decide just to be just to release digitally, and then once they get the collection together, then they put them out as a graphic novel, as opposed to so there's that there's that potential potential angle or approach to it, which might be which. That that is what a lot of what I've heard is is and maybe again it's just a natural a phasing out. But I think that's that's what I think that's what some of the rumors are. What these what at least what WB would like if you if some of those rumors are true, like cutting down on the monthly hard copies, the floppies, and then concentrate besides just the digital, but still putting out graphic novels. So you still would be putting out collections. Of these stories, which is, I think that's that's kind of that's a way. Like we've both known a bunch of people that have been reading their comics that way for years already. You know, it's true. Uh, like me, like right now, like I've been all digital for like a year and a half or something like that. Like I honestly cannot remember the last time I bought a physical comic book. But at the same time, I am fairly certain. Like unless this series shits the bed in the next six issues. When all said and done, I would gladly buy like the hardcovers of Far Sector just to like just to have just because I really like I really love this book. Well, like, do I feel that way about anything else I'm reading? No, not really. But every now and then there is something like this. If that that uh, if Tom King's Adam Strange book, which still has only had one issue out because it started like the day before COVID hit, <laughs> if that keeps if if that keeps up the quality of issue one i could see that being another one that i want to have physically on a shelf someday like i kind of i i kind of like how digital like like for as forward thinking as i think it is i think it also recaptures something old about comics and that it makes them disposable again where it's not like it's not treated as a collector it's like like back in like back in the day, back in the golden age, back when like right when you were born, Mark, they had um <laughs> they had um like nobody was collecting these things. You'd read it, you'd fold it into like a little tube and stick it in your back pocket, or you'd throw it across the street and and you just move on. Like digital makes comics like like this is just like my stream of consciousness. I'm sorry, but like, it's, okay. <laughs> I had like this epiphany, like a while ago that like, I, the thing I really care about is the stories and the characters and they are different from the physical paper they are printed on. And as long as I can consume these stories and fa- spend time with these characters, I love, I don't need to own the objects unless like, Unless again, I come across one that just blows me away, and I love it so much that I I want to have it physically in my life, because like it's I have so many comics. I, this is after I've sold off so many comics. But it's it's just it takes up so much room, and after a while, I just don't want all this stuff. And the only other the only way to keep from doing that is to either either stop reading altogether or. Or 
give them all away once I'm done or throw them all away or sell them all. And all of that's like such a huge hassle that I don't feel great about. But hey, I can I can just read them digitally and get everything out of it that I want. I think that's another component that anybody who collects a lot of or has bought a lot of comic books, like anything else you buy a lot of, you do realize that at some point the <laughs> space and the storage area or lack thereof, the room to put these things does become a problem. So that is one that is one huge advantage for digital. Uh, the fact that you can just forget about putting them on on your computer if you want to. You could just have a you know another portable hard drive, have a flash drive, and just throw these things on it. Make a backup here and there, uh, or or do both. Keep them on your computer for as a back you know so you have one copy and then there's archive them somewhere else so you know if something goes wrong you have them but it's but certainly physically literally it takes up you know it, it's from a size perspective it may take up a decent part of a, over time over memory in a computer but over time but it's certainly not going to you know but the amount of physical space it's going to take up in your house is going to be nothing because you already have a computer, you already have a flash drive or a portable hard drive, or you get one and you slide it in a drawer, you don't think about it. That's much That's much different than having, you know, boxes or tubs or all these things of, of comics that you have to put away and then remembering where they all are, even if you're really organized and knowing what's where and everything else. So it's a lot easier just to have a folder. It's like, oh, this is Far Sector. All 12 issues of Far Sector are here, and you can just go and open up whenever you whenever you need to, as long as, as, long as they don't keep changing the formats when you read them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but man, you should have seen, you should have seen like, like the light fade in my eyes when I realized... That, because I had, I have always I always used to think like well why would I pay for a digital copy of something and then not own the physical thing that doesn't make any sense why like why why would I do that and then I realized like I I think I was filing comics away at one point and it dawned on me that oh there's books in this long box that I haven't looked at since the first time I read them right after I bought them. And half of the books in this long box I bought and just filed away and never read them. That's kind of the same as buying them and then not having them at all. Because it's like, it's like, what's, what's really the difference between paying for something and then not keep, like, like, I I can't say this right. You, You know what I mean? Like, like, like. I'm buying it and then never looking at it again is kind of the same thing as buying it and not ha- keeping it at all. No, I, I no, I knew where you were going. I think I think I think fundamentally it it does make sense. I mean that that analogy I think for the most part holds up because even when even when I separate my comics in all honesty I have I separate I basically have two I, mean, I have multiple tubs and, and things where I have I have my books, but basically I have like two tiers. I have all the Green Lantern stuff and stuff that I think I'm going to read again because it's relevant to me on some level. So uh, you know, like like the Reign of the Superman would be and stuff like that. Important Spider-Man storylines would be in stuff like that. They would be they're going to be grouped together in the same tubs. And then I have the books that I'm that I clearly know are like basically everything else which I damn well know 
the odds are I'm probably never going to reread. <laughs> and that ta- and after a while, that stuff takes up a lot. That takes up a lot of space, and it does. Ma- it 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 is. Um, especially when you're if you're reading a if you're reading a book and you don't like it after a couple of issues, it's obviously a lot easier if you're getting it digitally because it's not like you really have to get rid of those issues. They can still stay on your computer, but you're not stuck with two physical issues that you either have to get rid of or just throw into throw somewhere, bag throw away, and probably never never look for again. But we'll see. It's going to be, uh, as we know, just generally speaking, things are going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, the next few months. God help us. Uh, so, I think we'll make this easy. I'm just, we'll do one. I'll do one uh, letter from our for our listener feedback. Ooh. This this actually has a question, so that's the reason why I chose I chose to do this one. They have a question as opposed to just comments. Uh, so this is from Jeff. It's like, hey guys, it's always refreshing hearing you guys give a slightly more lighthearted view of current pandemic events. Maybe he's talking about my Jim and, no, Jim and my, my pandemic episode. Hey, when we got on the uh, call tonight, I said that I have slightly less existential dread than yesterday. So this is this is pretty lighthearted. And, and and yes, oh, this episode clearly. But I'm saying, but, but he's talking about that he's heard so far, and and echoing your sentiments. Like it's just nice to listen to something less gloom and doom. I think that, for the most part, we we fit that bill. While I've had a soft spot for Green Lantern since I was a kid, I didn't break into comics until much later in life with Aquaman. One of the frustrations I've had with that character is how infrequently he seems to interact relationally with other JLA characters. Interactions with the rest of the JLA help inform the character as we see how they relate to individuals. I think that's part of what makes Batman a comparatively stronger character. His unique relationships among the rest of the League are better defined and therefore more interesting. In that vein, do you have any favorite Lantern slash JLA interactions? And is there a JLA or you would like to see more of in the Green Lantern books who hasn't been used much? Thanks for doing the show, Jeff. Hmm. You know, something that is, I was going to say relatively new, but it was, uh, it was when Jeff Johns was still writing J- uh, Justice League around um, somewhere in the neighborhood of the Dark Side War. Pro- I don't know if that was before it or after it, but um, it's when he started to really hit home that that oh, Batman and Hal Jordan ha- are basic have basically the same origin story. They just dealt with it in exactly the opposite way from each other. And like, like I always remember, there was this one panel where like they're on the watchtower together. It's like shot from behind. They're on the watchtower. They're looking out the window at like the Earth with the sun coming up behind it or something. And like, and like, one of them says to the other, it was probably Hal saying to Batman, like, like, your parents. Like they had, they had that moment where they realized we're the same. And you always see like. They always talk about like, oh yeah, you know, Batman and Superman, they're the they're the team up that makes the most sense because you know, one's all powerful alien, the other is just a smart human and one's darkness and one's light and and whenever they put a uh, Green Lantern with Batman, it's always the focus of, you know, oh, darkness and light again and like one is headstrong while the other's a good planner, but really the reason that they're so 
good together and interact so well together is because they have such a similar background and like they're the reason they do what they do is almost exactly the same and they're based they're in a lot in some ways at least they're two different takes on the same person that is a good take that is that is very accurate too when you break it down that they do have there is a lot of commonality in there and also there is that there is that uh the antithesis aspect too which of course in Green Lantern Rebirth, which John Stewart zeroed in on the fact that, at least in, certainly directly implying that uh, part of part of Batman's issue with Hal is the fact that you know Batman, if, if you're not afraid of Batman, then what kind of power does he have over you? Yeah, and the fact that that with Hal that wasn't you know he he didn't have that because Hal wasn't afraid of Batman. So I think I think that is true. I, I and I I also think that the how Batman interactions have been have been interesting. I not just, the rebirth obviously stood out, but I also I remember the early on in the Jeff Johns run when uh when when uh the issue when Batman had he, when Hal had gave but Batman the Green Lantern ring. When he had that moment, like mm. with his parents. Oh yeah, yeah. In a, I that, think that, that was that. like issue six or something. Yes, it was somewhere around there. Yes, that just because it kind of fleshed, at, it kind of fleshed out the relationship and kind of because they, they had well, not I don't know if fleshing out is accurate, but they had to, there had to be some mending of that of that relationship. Just like for me, kind of going along with this, even though technically he wasn't Green Lantern at the time. Though, though Kyle was there, so there was a Green Lantern. The fact that when. The uh, Soul War thing that we covered already in Pre-Birth with that two-part graphic novel with the JLA and the Spectre. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The fact of, of of Batman and Hal, how they how the resolution between them because the fact that when Hal basically was like almost like stuck in a limbo-like state and the and it was it was Batman basically reaching out to him and basically confessing confessing why Hal's fall affected him the way it did and basically why he was he's been almost why it had up to that point been pretty much impossible for him to get to let it go that that part that I liked the, that resolution and that relationship between Batman and and Hal as the Spectre um, as far as a JLA or you would like to see more of in the Green Lantern books who hasn't been used much um Hmm. That's that's tough. It's tough because all the, the first ones that come to mind are the ones that usually have appeared a lot. I don't know. Maybe 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 Aquaman because we don't maybe because we don't see we don't really see Aquaman and Hal interacting very much. So maybe 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 Aquaman would be an interesting one. I feel like Aquaman. They they like loaded him up with with a JLA team-up issues in the like in the 90s a lot like back when he was like kind of pirate aquaman for the first time and like it, there was just a lot of like and here's the issue where kyle rayner is guest starring and here's the issue where the flash is running around on top of the water and here and they just did like a lot of that i think he fought lobo at one point in the ocean for some reason i don't i don't know what that was all about but like yeah, I don't know. Like Aquaman, if he's not in the Ju- in the Justice League book, it seems like he only really interacts with people when there's some big crossover going on. That is true. Uh, I just 
off the top of my head, it's just hard to just hard to think of somebody else that who has meeting both cr- the main criteria of somebody who hasn't been in. We don't see that often in Green Lantern books because we do see the Flash and we do see Green Arrow and obviously Superman. I mean, we actually don't see Batman that much in a Green Lantern in a regular Green Lantern book. To be fair, we actually don't. Yeah, um, I think the last time we saw that was in the Simon and Jessica book. There was like a yeah. two issue story where they teamed up with him. Yeah, they, when he was giving up his gun. Yeah, yeah, that was kind. Of, it was cool because like Simon and just had all this friction with him the entire time. And meanwhile, Jessica is just sort of in the background, loving being Batman's sidekick. She's doing stuff like perching on like gargoyles, trying to look cool, but like they never draw attention to it because like, we've got the Simon drama over here. (laughs) Um, actually speaking of that series during that run, like they, this was also at the time when Simon and Jessica were on the justice league. So sometimes you would just see, Justice League missions going on in the Green Lantern's book. And we got actually like quite a bit of Simon and Cyborg like hanging out that like they would team up together on missions. They seem actually seemed to hit it off pretty well. And that there was at least once where like they just hung out and like threw a football around or something. I forget what they did, but like those two seemed to be pre- to like be pretty good friends. And if I'm, if I'm, kind of remembering there was a time when like wonder woman gave jessica this encouraging pep talk and she was so like so happy that she just like flew out of the watchtower and just like flew in circles around it for a while and then the next issue she fought something by making a gigantic wonder woman construct to go beat it up so like (laughs) that kind of like i i do i do i think i do remember i think i do remember that construct uh Wonder Woman, I guess, would be another one because you actually don't see that many Wonder Woman, especially if you're looking at Hal. You don't see that many Wonder Woman and Hal stories. Yeah, Wonder Woman uh, shows up with in Lantern stuff more often than you would think because she is she has been a she's been a Star Sapphire at least twice now. <laughs> that that aspect, excuse me, is true. I was that is true, but I'm just thinking in our current non-emotional spectrum environment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. Hey, did you read Justice League when Simon and Jessica were on it? Because they had... No, not really, no. Because I know they had some kind of ongoing thing where, like, like, hey, are Jessica and Barry going to start dating or something? But I never saw how any of that played out. Because, I mean, it's an interesting, like... Like, somebody obviously got the idea of, like, hey, this is a spin we've never done with the Green Lantern Flash thing before. Why not? And that is interesting. Yes, it would be. It would be interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, I did not. I was not reading JLA at, at that time. Um, so, but I think I do remember hearing about it. I think I do remember the discussion about that. Uh, so yeah, I think it, it's kind of those are the only thoughts I had anyway on on those two questions. Yeah, I mean, so. I mean, there's there's so many characters that have been on the Justice League. Like, like I'm just sort of thinking of the big name ones, but like, like I thought it was really cool when they brought when they had a uh, you know 
Blue Beetle. They had the whole story with like the Reach attacking the Blue Lanterns, and they roped in the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle into that. And then all of a sudden, he's attacking Kyle, but he doesn't want to fight Kyle. And he's like, "No, no, I can't. I came here because I knew you lived in New York, and I want you to teach me how to be a superhero." And like, they kind of leave it with like a uh, Kyle saying, "Like, oh, I will definitely come back and teach you how to do that." And then he never does. <laughs> but like. Like I thought I like that. Like little thing like little tangential connections that they can play up and then expand on if they care to expand on them. Yeah, there's definitely room for that. There's definitely room for some of the you like you were right. Like when when we think about this question and we try to break it down, the natural inclination is to focus in on the A tier characters as opposed to we all know it's like it's like looking at the Avengers. There's a hell of a lot more B and C tier characters that have been uh, that have been on the uh team over over time than uh than the a, than the a team like we've been talking about this for 10 minutes neither of us has brought up guy gardner with any of the jli like that just like that by itself is kind of is like basically gold right like give him put guy next to to ice for god's sake like all these characters have so much history with each other and like so much complicated history at that. Like that's true. I, uh, yes, I was just thinking at the, as uh, thinking about it from the, again, from the main team perspective, but you're right. But as you, as you branch out, as you branch out, you have even, you know, even more characters just like, West Coast Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you keep branching out and re- and look at all the subdivisions and everything else and, uh, start going to the minors, the minor leagues, and I was like, yeah, there's actually a lot more, there's a lot more characters in, uh... You know what? I think if I saw, I believe this was some, uh, not, like, some, uh, wordless preview art from the 80th anniversary. The Jon Stewart story is also gonna have Hawkgirl in it. Oh, that's cool. Obviously playing off of the, the JLU relationship, but like yes. again, like like that's a great pick there too because like that's a character that is a Justice League character that John like maybe not in the comics has a huge relationship with although they have been on the team together in the uh, the the uh, Scott Snyder Justice League book I don't know if they both still are but at least when that launched they were part of the core team so I mean and I'm kind of glad like that pairing even if they're not like in a relationship or anything has kind of wormed its way into the comics because i that was a highlight of that show yes it is one of those things that people oh people still remember from that show so yeah it'll be that 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 is a that is a nice touch that certainly that issue is going to be that issue is going to be fun i'm looking i'm looking forward to uh to that and at this rate of probably you, you, me, and Jim probably will be doing that issue. <laughs> yeah, on three ninety nine W. I won't be W. That this thing comes out this month, Dan. <laughs> you have nothing but free time, and you know it. Just keep cranking out episodes, Mark. That's right. I could just crank out any anything I want and throw a letter at the end of it. Uh, but we we have to we have to make make and take special care of our three ninety nines. We don't want to waste. 
We, we only have 20, 25 more of these we can do before we have to go to the next tier. You could you could have cut up our last recording and just made that 17 episodes. We didn't, we, that wasn't that long. No, but we talked about like 100 things. Oh, yes, but see, but... We went back and forth, so if if we were if we tangentially just we just kept going from one point to you know just kept following it through for maybe like ten or fifteen minutes, half an hour, then went back to it. I don't think we did that. From I think we kind of like we I mean we tried to zero back around, but I think <laughs> but you're right. It it was that that's why it was so fun because it was it was free form for that perspective. We had a general guiding principle of what we wanted to talk about, and then we just kind of let it take us where it did so yes and that's where it took us um <laughs> as soon as we hang up i'm going to think of so many different green lantern team-ups that would be amazing <laughs> but we know you'll be back soon so we'll be we can always revi- revisit the question i'll put my binder uh, down and say all right mark here's my notes from the episodes i missed <laughs> it'll, it'll be episode 399a part two <laughs> <laughs> Just focused on the question. Oh man! All right, Dan. So you want to before we wrap up? You want to you want to push your pot? Your push your YouTube channel again? Yes, Mosaic Comics is a Green Lantern YouTube channel I started, where it's all about just analytical and overthinking of Green Lantern stuff. There there was not a channel like this for Green Lantern that I could find, so I made one. There are. As I actually, I just posted my fifth video today, all about. It's titled "Everything We Know About the Gold Lantern" because today, as we record this, is when Legion of Superheroes number six came out, the one that finally gave some degree of spotlight to this mysterious gold lantern that Bendis created. And I, I do a rundown of everything we learned from that issue, everything that we knew beforehand, and. Where I think Bendis might be going in general with his DC work, based on everything that he has written so far. Um, this comes hot on the heels of a video all about why Green Lanterns shouldn't be cops. Because, uh, you know, the last week has made me feel kind of bad about loving the Green Lantern Corps so much when they are kind of overtly a militarized police force that do whatever they want. <laughs> Uh, but I also, in that, in the back half of that, I also present a way that a fairly easy change they could make that would allow DC to kind of have their cake and eat it too. And it, it strongly relies on the Sinestro core. So you would be happy, Mark. Speaking of which, what I think I, what I want to do is I want to catch up on, on your episodes on that. And I think that'll be another episode. If you, if you want to do, we can just, we can kind of like go through your. The episode, my my thoughts and questions about the episodes you've done, and then and then we can we can talk about that. I think that might be a cool. That might be cool. Sure, uh, if you will. Hey, sure, um, yeah. So and uh, oh, and also I forgot to mention this last time, but if you're out, if you're listening to this, you you like the idea of you know, you know a run, a complete rundown of the confusing mess that is the the White Lantern or a. A look, a detailed look at Kyle Rayner's uh, incredible level of character development that happened in the Omega Men. But you don't really want to watch a YouTube video for some reason. 
I have also started posting the full scripts of these videos in blog form at mosaiccomics.blogspot.com. So if if you have five minutes or so, you can just read them instead of watching them, if that is your preference. Otherwise, go to YouTube and type in Mosaic Comics. Look for the Green Lantern logo. There it is. Nice. All right, now, now that not so nice, I'll give the wrap-up. <laughs> <laughs> 708 Lantern, that's the voicemail. I haven't had one in a while. It's concerning the way things are going, I understand. feel, But we've gotten some emails and we've gotten uh, some uh, people have inquired about about chat. So uh, thank you for all those. We're probably going to be... We, we may rattle off the names of everybody that at least has emailed us about chat once once chad returns. Return of the Bokelman. Uh, it, when, when it, it has to be called that. That has to be the episode <laughs> title. <laughs> return. The, the Chad returns. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, hashtag GLCast, and like us on Facebook. You can use GLCast to find us there too. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review. Website is lanterncast.com. Email is lanterncast at gmail.com. So if you... I'm trying. I'm not going to let the the reader, the listener feedback build up too much. Not that there's that much to go through right now, but that's why we, I decided to knock off one this time, and uh, we'll we will deal with. Uh, and, and yes, Jesse, you are you are, you are the other one that I, we were going to do tonight, but but I figured it might be better to do with Chad. But again, we'll we'll see how see how Chad see how Chad does, but either way, we'll, I'm going to start dealing with some... I don't want to let stuff build up. I want to keep moving ahead as much as we can. Okay, what was what was the name of the guy that wrote in tonight? And I closed oh. it, and that's why I only... I, and I, I, I want to say it was... I want to say it was Jeff, but I'm going to double-check just because <laughs> now that... now that you... now that you mentioned that, I do... I, I don't want to get it wrong, which is the only reason why, because he also did think... Uh, he also did, I think... Give Chad his his best. So let me let me open it back up again. Um, but yes, so we're not. I'm gonna do my best to not let these things uh, build up too long um, for feedback, just because it's yes, Jeff. Yes, thank you for writing in, Jeff. Hopefully, our long yes. and rambly answer was something you got something out of. Hopefully, but yes, and. Th- so thank you, Jeff. Thank you, and Jesse. Everybody, and and so far that have, generally speaking, who have thank who have been inquired and given Chad his best, and hopefully, hopefully Chad will be back. Uh, let's say what are we June? We're like mid June now. Hopefully, maybe by sometime in towards the end of July, maybe at the latest, maybe Chad will be back full time. But. Until then, next next episode probably probably will be Green Lantern Prebirth. Jim seems relatively committed to doing it. We have a tentative day to record. That's about the most commitment you'll get out of Jim. Yeah, but so I think we only have to do I think we only have to do two issues. I think I think it was a three I think it was a three issue arc, and I did and the last issue was the first one of it. Mm. So I have to double check because I got to reread them tomorrow, just in case we do record on Thursday. But the plan is, the plan is for a Green Lantern Pre-Birth to be the next release, and then after that, it will be up in the air. If Chad's feeling better, maybe we do 400, 
or else probably not, then probably Dan and I will be doing something. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Maybe. So think of topics too, Dan, because something that's on your mind that you want to talk about that we haven't yet, you know, whether it's just a particular, you know, really specific or just general, like, like our Sinestro thing, and we can obviously... We can have fun with that, but I will also make sure I, I take notes on your on your YouTube videos, and then we can plan that episode. You'll make insightful comments, and I'll be like, hey, Mark, you know what's bad? Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Up yours, buddy! Click! <laughs> you can't see this, but I'm flipping you the double bird right now. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, I think that will wrap it for tonight. Thanks for listening, guys, and... Good night, everybody. See you next time.